Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I am fine. I sound a little hoarse, but I'm 100% fine and truly apologize that we ran so many encores next week. Last week, see, I'm not even straight. Um, But we're with you this week, and uh, we should not need to run an encore uh, again. So I'm I'm pleased to be with you. And um, I was going to read a... um, Hold on. Very... um, special situation to you today but I don't have it um, for some reason and so maybe our Lord is in charge of that and um, I'm about to send an email out on um, that Michael Matt of Remnant TV it'll go out today um, his message very recently and it, it says that the great reset re, the great reset um this global globalization, all of that, uh, is really God's, um, uh, what do I, pruning for us to bring us back to him. Because things are getting so bad that uh, people are beginning to um, get out of their slump and out of their naivete and out of their apathy and return to the faith. And I agree with Michael so much. He is a true warrior for our faith, and I'm sending that email out today. It'll go out this afternoon, probably. If you're on our email list, you will receive it. Um, If you're not, you can be. If you wish still, uh, go to uh, motherofisraelshope.org. Just click on the newsletter tab toward the right, and up on the top, you can subscribe by email and or regular mail, both. Not a problem in the world. And those of you who may have subscribed after uh, we sent the newsletter out, it's a, I've gotten a lot of response from that newsletter. They say it's a catechetical keepsake. You're still welcome to get them. We print it extra. So you're still welcome to sign up for future newsletters and emails. And, um, and you're also welcome to email directly just click on the contact button and you can email us at mail, M-A-I-L, at motherofisraelshope.org. Ask for the Christmas newsletter, which again, um, it would be a keepsake for the faith. And uh, we'll mail you out a copy, not an issue. We don't charge for anything. Uh, anytime anyone can send a donation to help with postage or support, we're always grateful, and you can also do that online with us. Um, but we don't charge, and we ask for nothing. We charge for nothing we do, for teaching, for conferences. We don't charge for anything. So it's up to God what he wants to do with his gifts and his people. Um, what I thought now I do this morning, since what I had for you I don't have, I'll bring it tomorrow, um, is I, because I was gone all last week um, uh, from the live programs, except for Friday, so at least for four days, um, and Friday I read that book, uh, The Giant King. It is so, 
so, so beautiful. If any of you missed it, it's the most beautiful. It's a children's book, but I tell you what. Jesus said, unless you become as little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And where it's never too late to become little children, even if we're 100 years old. It's a beautiful story of a boy named Rabbi, and I read it in honor of a family that gave us that book and who named their son Rabbi after this lovely young boy in the book uh, whose name is Rabbi, R-A-B-B-I-E, and he was a carpenter, so he carved things. But before he carved them, animals, people, dogs, he would, he would survey their bodies and take deep breaths. He would inhale them, go to their mouth and inhale. And what he always carved was the person or the animal or whatever it was, but always more beautiful than anyone saw them. And they said, but Rabbi, the dog doesn't have the scar on his leg and the bump on his ear and whatever it was. And Rabbi said, it's because you see with your eyes, but I carve with my heart. And so Rabbi carves people according to what God has uh, made them to be and what they could be. And so his carvings were a promise of what they could be. And the book, The Giant King, I I urge you to get it for your whole family, for the children, but also for the whole family. It is very, very beautiful about a giant who was, who terrorized a whole town. And um, uh, I don't want to tell you the whole story because you you need to get the book. But but Rabbi, uh, Rabbi rather, um, painted him according to what was in him. Not painted him, carved a, a little king, according to what this giant monster of a king could be, the goodness that was inside him, and that's what he became. I think it was the success of Pope St. John Paul II, wherever he went all over the world, everyone loved him, the youth adored him, the Jews loved him, everyone loved him, um, and... Um, in fact, uh, part of my Jewish family who ostracized us when we became Christians, and then we became Catholic Christians, and they didn't understand the difference between Protestant and Catholic. But when John Paul II died, they contacted me to express their condolences because they thought he was a great man. Of course, they were right, but that was astounding to me. And John Paul II won over the world, but especially the youth of the world, by treating them according to what they could be and what they have inside. Not, uh, you know, he would go to their rock concerts and he would uh, clap his hands to the beat of their drums and they had tattoos and earrings and all of that. And he did not treat them according to, um, he didn't ignore who they were at the time. He respected them. He treated them according to who they were in Christ, into the greatness for which God made them. He called them beyond what they ever thought they could be. He trusted who they could be and who they are if they follow the greatness in them. And they didn't want to let him down. They adored him. Years ago, uh, there was a, a, a Protestant pastor who did the same with me. He treated me, not for the way I saw myself, because to me, I wasn't much of anything. He treated me according to 
what he saw in me. I didn't see it, but he did. And it, it, it made me fly. So parents, friends, husbands, wives, um, be rabbis. Be little rabbis. See people according to what they have inside, to how God has made them, to the greatness he, had, he has. I said on, on Friday, wives, you know, when your husbands come home from work, I've heard many wives say, my husbands come home and they sit around, the, get in the lounge chair and read the newspaper. They don't help with the dishes. They don't help with the children. They don't clean the house, all of that. And they don't do anything. And uh, they're not great people. And the people in the office say that he does everything for them and he's kind and he's all of this. If they only knew the man he really was. But the fact is, they know the man he really is. It's you who don't know that because they treat him that way. You treat him uh, as if he is uh, lacking heroism and kindness and love and all that. And so he acts that way. Treat him as the knight in shining armor you married. Treat him as if he's the greatest man in the world, as if he would lay down his life for you. Treat him with love and respect. Don't ever, ever utter a negative word about him to your children, whether he's there or not. Don't ever criticize him in front of your children or not in front of your children. Men the same way you with your wives. Don't ever uh, lord it over them. You are to lay down your life for them, Ephesians chapter 5, as Christ did for the church. He didn't lord it over the church. He died for the church. Did he die for the church after she got her act together? No. He died for us while we were yet sinners and drove the nails into his hands and the spear into his side. He died for us while we were sinners and made us what he created us to be in him. Thou, those are your marching orders, men. And women, take after the Blessed Mother. Don't dress in tight jeans or leotards, which used to be my underwear. Don't do that. Take after the Blessed Mother. Dress modestly like Mary. Long dresses, always beautiful. Um, a veil on your heads whenever you can, especially in Mass. That doesn't mean you're inferior, it means you're sacred. Bl women, you imitate the Blessed Mother, and who was without sin, and yet she obeyed Joseph. She served him. She didn't feel inferior. She was superior, and that's why she could serve him so beautifully. Go make her your example. Men, make Joseph your example. His power was his silence. Model after the Holy Family, and you will have children who grow up to be saints, and you will become saints yourself. There's the music for our first break, beloved. Um, and you are welcome to call in after this break with anything on your hearts. Toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. 
Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live, but I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as The Catholic Current. Father Robert McTague discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to The Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Have you heard about life coaching? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Coaching is one of the things Jesus did with his disciples. Whenever they were stuck, overwhelmed, or even struggling a bit, Jesus asked questions that brought clarity and hope. He then used ongoing conversations that helps them to navigate the path and completely change their lives. Just like the disciples, we too can find ourselves feeling stuck, overwhelmed, and struggling a bit. Maybe you need help in your marriage or with a parenting issue. You're navigating a loss, you want to improve your health, or advance your career. At StandTallToday.com, our experienced coaches will help you to take another look at life, renew your hope, get past those challenges, and step into living abundantly. You can find out more about coaching and schedule a free introductory call by visiting us at StandTallToday.com. Listen, life is too short to stay stuck. Contact us at StandTallToday.com. Keep up to date with the shows we bring you each day on the Station of the Cross by viewing our programming grid on our website, thestationofthecross.com, and on our iCatholic Radio app. Just click the menu icon in the top left portion of our app and select the link to our programming grid. That's at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. And we are live, blessed be God. And we are going to start taking your calls now. So we have 45 minutes instead of a half hour. And I've saved a couple of emails rather than answering them right away because I wanted to do a little research on the questions. One of them is from Michael. Michael writes, Dear Mother, I've been listening to your broadcast for a while. I agree with almost everything you say but I'm having trouble with the fetal development of our Lord. St. Catherine Emmerich, who I'll call, excuse me, who I'll call a big dog because she had apparitions from our Lord, stated that our Lord was fully formed from the start and did not undergo normal human fetal development. I am a nobody. I do not trust my limited reasoning because I would not want to be in error. And if left to my own means, I could be deadly. But as soon as Our Lady said yes to the angel Gabriel, the Holy Spirit came upon her and she conceived. I think you know conception consists of a one-celled human with a soul from the moment of fertilization. From there it divides into two cells, then four Uh, etc., and then differentiates with the development of a nervous, muscular, skeletal system, etc. But according to St. Catherine, and you too, 
Jesus did not go through this normal human development. According to St. Catherine, and you too, me? I never such a th- such a thing. I would never think such a thing. Jesus did not go through this normal human development. Why? Scripture says Jesus became like us in all things, including sin. No. Oh, excluding sin. Very good. Scripture says Jesus became like us in all things, excluding sin. Why would he bypass normal human development? Well, Michael, I don't know that he did. I I never said that he did. And I'll read the rest of your email. Michael says, I can only assume the infant Jesus looked far different from the adult Jesus because of normal human development. All humans go through the same process. If what you say is true, I'm not saying it, Michael. I can only see the pro-aborts having a field day with this. So Jesus bypassed the normal field development. That must mean the human fetus is less important and the human fetus is not really human. He's supposing if this were true, that's what we could say. Um, Forgive me, but when reading about the visitation, I can only think our Lord was conceived only a few weeks earlier. He must have been no larger than one-twentieth the size of a small fingernail, but he was and is God, and St. John recognized this two-week-old human as God. Your thoughts would be greatly appreciated. Thank you, and God bless. Sincerely, Michael. Michael. Yours is one of the emails I needed to do research on, so it didn't answer right away. I have not found anyone in the entire church who has said that Jesus did not develop. He was the man-God, 100% God, 100% man at the moment of his conception. He didn't become man. He didn't become God. He was the God-man at the very moment of his conception in the Blessed Virgin's womb. Um, I've never thought anything else. I've never said anything else. If you if you say I have, find it and 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 send me the uh, the uh, reference for the recording. If I did, I made a mistake. I never would have thought such a thing. So no one in the history of the church, as I know, has ever said it. Uh, people have said uh, Jesus didn't understand he was fully God, or. You know, maybe he wasn't fully man because he was also God, all those kinds of things. But that was settled by the councils. If fully God, 100% God, 100% man, not 50-50. At the moment of conception, at the moment of birth. So, um, and I tried to look up everything on St. Catherine Emmerich and could find absolutely nothing that says that he was fully formed at the moment of conception in Mary's womb. I haven't found a thing. Um, And again, if you find it, send it to me, but that doesn't mean it's correct. Uh, The church has never taught that. Uh, Jim in Meadville, Meadville, Pennsylvania. Are you on the line, Jim? Yes, I am, Mother. Hi, thanks for calling in, dear one. My question is, I I lead the rosary in the... uh, in one of a, in one church I go to, and after the rosary we say, "I'd like to pray these prayers for the Holy Father's intentions and the souls in purgatory." Good. So, a man came up to me after church and said, "Well, our Holy Father, uh, he's he's vowing, you know, he's advocating homosexuality and uh, the the end of the Latin Mass. How can you how can we pray for that?" So, I, 
I uh, wasn't sure what to say. I mean, I said, well, we have to leave it up to God. I said that, but I also said maybe I should say for his Catholic intentions. No, no, no. Um, We pray, and as we pray, our heart says, not my will but thine be done. And we know that when we pray for the intentions of the Holy Father, we pray for good intentions. And we leave it to God that if his intentions are misguided, God would uh, correct him and lead him. So we do that every day too, Jim, in our in our priory with the sisters. Every single day at the conclusion of the rosary, we pray for the intentions of the Holy Father and leave them in God's hands knowing that if, if his intentions are misguided or wrong, we, we want in our hearts for God to correct him. It's perfectly yeah, fine, you. and you should continue. All right, thank you, Mother Mary. You're welcome, dear. You're welcome. And again, anyone is welcome to call in, even, um, uh, again, if you call in anonymously, that'll never be a problem, dear one. We have another email from Mike, um, and Mike says, I have a question for you regarding your knowledge that your knowledge that Judas is in hell. The church has said he is in hell in the past, but now it seems that we don't know is the answer. You know, um, it's it's really um, um, dis, dis, disconcerting uh, that uh, what the church has said is true in the past, now we think is up for grabs. Um, we do know. Pope, and he goes on to say, Pope John Paul II in his book, Crossing the Threshold of Hope, in 1994, says on page 186, quote, even when Jesus says of Judas, the traitor, it would be better for that man if he had never been born. His words do not allude for certain to eternal damnation. Um, I know this, uh, Mike says, I know many sources have said Judas is in hell, but Catholic answers and others have said that we don't know the final impenitence of a person, so we cannot say. We don't know the final impenitence of anybody that we know, but Scripture has told us about Judas. Um, Hold on now. Um, uh, he says, I am not saying hell is empty or that Judas is not in hell or that Judas is in heaven. I'm simply saying we do not know. But there are some heavy hitters still saying that Judas is in hell for certain. How do you know? I'm not being rude. I consider you a friend, and I don't consider you rude, dear one. In fact, I have to tell you, you are the only person who has said Mary said to herself when Gabriel appeared to her, is it me? I totally agree with that, and I don't think most people realize what was in her mind. But it is entirely logical, so I thank you for that. I might add, he continues, that Anne, here we go again, Anne Catherick Emmerich said Judas did not think Jesus could be captured. The book Mary Magdalene and the Visions of Anne Catherine Emmerich by Tan Books on page 79 says, when he betrayed Jesus, Judas, for money, he never dreamed of his being put to death. Mike says, I have studied this quite a bit and have much to say, but I talk too much. This is enough for now. Bottom line, what is your source of the knowledge that Judas is in hell? Peace and good health, Mike. Well, Mike... I did a bit of research on this also. Um, hold on now, let me, 
Let me get it's gonna take me a second here. Hold on a moment. Let me just bring this up. I had brought it up. Okay. Um Let's see now. I don't want to read you the whole article. Um, St. Bernard of Clairvaux, doctor of the church, teaches concerning the need to recognize and respect the authority of a superior, even should life. Um, I want to get to Judas here. Hold on. Um, Okay. Uh, now, since Vatican II, where people don't know if Judas is in hell, because prior to that, the church said he was, um, faithful and informed Catholics know that Judas is in hell. Our Lord declared that it would have been, well, better for Judas to have never been born. And here are our Lord's words, the Son of Man indeed goeth as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man shall be betrayed. It were better for him that that man had not been born. And that's what you quoted, Mike. Our Lord's word tell us that Judas is in hell. If Judas were ever to go to heaven, even if hypothetically he were to first spend trillions of years in purgatory, then it would be better for Judas to have been born because trillions of years are finite and are as nothing compared to eternity. When trillions of years are over, eternity would just be beginning, to speak metaphorically. Any amount of time in purgatory, however long, is insignificant compared to unending eternity in heaven. Thus, Judas must be in hell because it is good to have been born for anyone who eventually goes to heaven. Also, we know that Judas is among the lost. Our Lord says that none of his apostles are among the lost except Judas, the son of perdition, our Lord says. And now I am not in the world. And though these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father, this is John 17, keep them in thy name, whom thou hast given me, that they may be one, as we also are. While I was with them, I kept them in thy name. Those whom thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that scripture may be fulfilled. Judas is the son of perdition. The doctors of the Catholic Church echo our Lord's clear declaration, declarations that Judas is in hell. St. Thomas Aquinas, the greatest doctor of the church, teaches that God would have saved Judas, but God knew that he would not save Judas, and so he prepared a place in hell for Judas based on his foreknowledge that Judas would damn himself. St. Thomas says, quote, to save Judas would be contrary to justice, but rather would have been beyond justice, not be contrary to justice, but beyond justice. Nonetheless, to save Judas would have been contrary to God's foreknowledge and contrary to the fact that there was a place in hell for Judas because God knew Judas would damn himself, that is, abusing his free will. There's the music for our break, beloved. We'll have a half hour when we come back, and you're welcome to call in with your name or anonymous with anything that's on your heart, toll-free or email. We'll be right back. 
I would always hear from uh, different people at non-Catholic churches that Catholics were going to hell or that they really didn't know who the Lord was. The Catholic Church is not all what people say it is. I mean, it's completely different. There's so many stereotypes. It's very possible to know the Lord and it's very possible to have a relationship with God in the Catholic Church. I believe I was born into the Catholic Church and that's where I belong. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for February 13th. Today we celebrate St. Giles Mary of St. Joseph. In 1812, the same year that power-hungry Napoleon Bonaparte led his army into Russia, today's saint ended a humble life of service to the people of Naples and members of his Franciscan community. At the age of 25, Giles joined the so-called Discalced Franciscans in Naples. It was a city known for its depravity and crime, but it was a city that came to know and love the humble friar. For 53 years, he served at St. Paschal's Hospice in Naples in a series of humble roles, cook, porter, official beggar for his community. Giles also distributed alms to the poor, always managing somehow to meet ever-growing demands. Love God, love God, was a phrase Giles repeatedly uttered as he gathered food for the poor. He was also known for his sensitivity to deeply troubled persons. He constantly reminded people of the need to repent and also gained a reputation for miracles of healing. Popular among the people he met on his begging rounds, he was nicknamed the Consoler of Naples. Giles died in 1812. He was canonized by Pope John Paul II in 1996. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We are live and we have a whole half hour together. Our lines are wide open. You're welcome to call in with anything at all on your heart. Uh, toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at line from Wisconsin. Hi, Tammy. Hi, Mother. Hi, honey. Thanks for calling in. Do you have a question? I do, and I just wanted to... Just start by thanking you for, you were a big part of my reversion um, many years ago, and I, I'm looking to you for your continued wisdom. Uh, blessed be God, how he uses us in each other's lives. Thanks be absolutely, to God, Tammy. Absolutely. So here's my um, question, is we have a very holy priest right now who is being removed from our parish after a couple of years um, because there's a lot of people come in our parish complaining about his reverence, basically. Oh, um, oh. He... He's changed everything for us. He provides communion on the tongue. Most of the people that are going to our parish right now receive on the tongue. Um, he took away girl altar servers, or I should say removed girl altar servers. He does um, Latin. He chants. He um, bring. He's brought in a lot of men um, back into the church and being a big part of it. Um, and so we are so deeply saddened to have this happen. Um, and we were told that there's nothing that we can do 
told by whom? The decision has been final. Uh, I, people next to the bishop. We haven't heard from the bishop, but supposedly um, the decision is final. Mm-hmm. What we are going to do, or we plan to do, is write um, all of the families that do appreciate him. We're writing um, basically like a thank you card to the bishop, just saying, you know, how much we appreciate him and how he's basically changed our lives. Um, and I was wondering uh, if you had any guidance on how we can handle this. Obviously, we're we're so uh, sad and afraid for what is probably going to come yes. um, because we have greatly. I mean, we are now a reverent Norvis Ordo, and I'm sure it's going to change. Um, yeah. so I didn't know if there was anything that you could help guide us with. Oh, that's just too bad. Um, well, if all those families could write uh, how much, how grateful they are, how much he's changed their lives, and 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 say, dear Bishop, uh, if there's any possibility that he could remain as our pastor, we beg you for this, really do that in those letters mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. humble very respectful but um if there's any way on earth dear bishop that you can retain as our pastor we would we would be grateful and and we would go so far as to beg you if that um if that were a possibility i would do that mm-hmm. secondly mm-hmm. i get a hold of the copy of uh, the mass of Paul the Sixth, who who under whom the Novus Ordo was enacted, um, and what your priest is doing is exactly what mm-hmm. Paul the Sixth did. Uh, Ad Orientum. I don't know if your priest is celebrating Ad Orientum facing the altar instead of the people, but Ad Orientum Latin was to be kept in all the parts, the Sanctus, the um, Agnus Dei, all of that was to be kept in Latin. And, uh, and, and communion on the tongue and kneeling. It was never any other way. And it's still communion on the tongue is the norm in the church. People mm-hmm. think in the hand is the norm and you're allowed to have it. No, it's the opposite way. Communion on the tongue is the norm. And there's an option to receive our Lord in your hand. So if you can get a hold of that missile um, from Pope Paul VI in, uh, in the 60s, uh, they're around. You can get them online. Uh, I don't know how you get them. Maybe go to Adoramus. I'm not sure where you can get one. But if you can get that and you write him and enclose it in the book and say, Dear Bishop, um, I- I'm enclosing this not to instruct you uh, in any way or not to instruct any priest, but to say that it, it seems that what our pastor is doing is not against what the Novus Ordo intended. So do it very respectfully, but I would do that. Okay. I certainly can. Okay, good. Okay, God bless you. Thank can you, Can I Tammy. ask you to keep um, him in your prayers? Oh, yes. I, I, um, I'm not asking you the name of the bishop, but sure. I, I know of two bishops in Wisconsin who have um, unfortunately given in to what's going on today from the Vatican. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's a shame. Yes, okay, we will pray, Tammy. God bless you, dear one. Thank you, Mother. You're welcome. Honey. You. We have an email from Melissa who says, Dear Mother Miriam, God bless you and the sisters for all you do for the faithful. Thank you, Melissa. Could you please teach a correct understanding of Elijah from both the Jewish and Christian perspective? In a recent homily of Bishop Barron, 
he preached that the prophet Elijah was fired, he puts it in quotes, F-I-R-E-D, fired by God because he killed the 450 prophets of Balaam after the miracle of the bur- at the burning of the altar. Where on earth does that come from? I feel this was a blasphemy of this holy prophet, I think so too, who was assumed bodily into heaven. In fact, after killing of the 450, God gave rain after three years of drought. I understand there were Jewish monks dedicated to Elijah, too. You're very right. I was so saddened by Bishop Barron's preaching. I'm also saddened by Bishop Barron's preaching in a couple of other major, major areas where he's simply teaching heresy. Um, One of them is that there's a reasonable hope that everyone will be in, in heaven. There's no such thing. Jesus spoke about hell more than any other subject in Scripture. And another is in his interview with Ben Shapiro on Ben's program, when Ben asked him, said to Bishop Barron, I'm an Orthodox Jew. I follow uh, the Jewish law to the best of my ability. Am I damned? Am I going to hell because I don't believe in Jesus? And immediately Bishop Barron said, no, 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 no. Jesus is... um, He's, he's, he's the preferred way. I, I almost, I was nauseous. I was nauseous. Bishop Barron, you are a heretic in these things. How do we trust anything you teach? You're a tremendous expositor. You're tremendously articulate. And you're very knowledgeable. But you are leading people astray. And she says, I was so saddened by Bishop Barron's preaching. Elijah is the prophet from whom the Carmelites derive their spirituality. That's right. As I understand, I do not know why anyone who has read the Old Testament would ever say God fired him. Thank you. And God's blessing be with you always, Melissa. Melissa, the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal is in 1 Kings chapter 18. I won't take the time to read it all, but anyone who questions this, go to 1 Kings chapter 18, and you will see that Elijah is a tremendous hero and prophet of God, and with the prophets of Baal, showed God's glory a thousand times more than those false prophets tried to. He's simply wrong, Melissa. Um, Okay. Um, we have an email from Elizabeth. Hold on a moment now. Let me just get this for a second. Let me just look this up. Hold on. Um, okay. Elizabeth says, what is the information that we know about the Antichrist? Will he be the same age that Jesus was when he started his ministry? I heard you say that he will be Jewish. I can't say he will be Jewish, and I never said he would be Jewish. I've said it is thought that he would be Jewish. Will he have a Jewish background? I don't know. Or would he be an actual practicing Jewish man? I don't know. I know that he will perform miracles because Satan does that through false people and likely trick a lot of people into thinking he's the actual Messiah. Yes, that's what the scriptures say. Let me read just a tiny bit on what the early church believed about the Antichrist. This is straight from Catholic Answers, um, which says... um, 
Um, the first, they're refuting the fact that the claim that the Pope is the Antichrist. Um, and that's been part of anti-Catholic rhetoric since the Reformation, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm skipping through this. Um, though the fathers of the church speculated on the Antichrist in various ways, they would never have agreed. Um, they showed the temple to be the Jewish temple rebuilt by Antichrist in Jerusalem. Uh, rather than the Bishop of Rome, the early fathers identified the Antichrist as a government official, a king coming to power in the ruins of the Roman Empire. He would probably be Jewish, because possibly from the tribe of Dan, and most importantly, most importantly, rather than claiming like the Pope to be the vicar or emissary of Jesus Christ, he would claim that Jesus was not the Christ, but that he was instead. He would then seduce many of the Jewish people by attempting to fulfill the political aspirations they held for the Messiah, which is not that he would die, but that he would be a political conqueror. That's my comment at the end. And then um, Catholic Answers go, goes on to quote the Didache. Um, um, the Polycarp of Smyrna, Irenaeus, uh, Hippolytus, um, Tertullian, Cyprian, um, Lactantia, Cyril, many, many, many. So um, I don't know that the Antichrist will be Jewish, and I don't know that he won't be a Holy Father, He won't that he won't be the Pope. I don't know that. But the consensus is um, that he may be Jewish, and that if he, de- if he sets himself up as the Messiah, he needs to deny that Christ was the Messiah so the Jewish people could believe the true Messiah has come who rejected that he came the first time. So, um, okay, let me see now. Um, we have an email from Santino who writes, I am Santino from Ohio. I've seen the movie Good Catholic, starring Danny Glover and John C. McGinley. In that movie, John McGlindy's character, who is a Franciscan friar, wears sneakers with his habit. I just wanted to get your opinion on clergy people wearing sneakers with their clothes. To me, this just seems wrong. And they are to wear the appropriate footwear that would go with their clothes unless they are doing something that would prevent them from doing that. I've even heard of a situation where a Franciscan friar in reality wear his sneakers um, to bike ride and actually cut 25% of his habit to bike ride. There was another case where another Franciscan friar wore Converse shoes with his habit. I saw two priests wearing Vans shoes while conducting Mass. When I see stuff like this, I'm about ready to vomit. Should clergy people wear sneakers with their habit? Thanks and God bless. Well, I'm going to get a lot of uh, disagreement on this one, but I happen to agree with you, and the answer is no, Santino. Clergymen should dress like clergymen, and if they want to ride a bike, let them ride in leather black shoes or whatever they normally wear. Um, I think, if I, re- if I recall, I saw part of the movie Good Catholic many years ago, and 
were they not uh, celebrating Mass uh, out on the beach or on rocks on a cliff? Uh, that may be the case. It still doesn't call for sneakers. And you don't cut your habit short to ride a bike with sneakers. So, and I've seen priests in, in a normal parish wear jeans and other slacks under their vestments and casual shoes. It's, um, it's a, a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's irreverent. And it is a degra- degradation of the Holy Mass and the Holy Priesthood. I agree with you, Santino. I'm, I guess many priests will disagree with me on this one. But we beg you to go back and be true fathers. We'll be right after the break. Uh, we'll be back, beloved, and we'll have another 10 minutes if you wish to call in with anything on your heart. Toll-free 1-877-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. I would imagine your pastor preaches from the text which says, we preach Jesus Christ crucified. So then, where's the crucifix in your church? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history. Under the dread of persecution and death, the crucifix was displayed at Mass, but with great caution due to the threats of the Roman emperors and the pagan haters of Christianity. Traveling up through time, Pope Pius V in 1570 made it mandatory to display a crucifix in every church. Secondly, the Bible. 1 Corinthians 1 says, but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block. You see, there was never any embarrassment of his corpse. In fact, two men of great renown, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, boldly handled the dead body of Jesus. And thirdly, my comeback. You see, at times, the early church held mass in the catacombs to honor the shed blood of the brave martyrs. Sad to say, many contemporary churches don't even have a cross in their church, let alone a crucifix. Also, could a crucifix on your neck cause others to think you are Catholic? St. Peter, it must have been horrible when you heard that rooster crow. At the Station of the Cross, we are blessed by the variety of donations our listeners generously contribute for our evangelization efforts. From planned gifts to employer matches, we even receive donations through transfers of stock. Please, consider giving a gift of stock to help us continue sharing the love of God with our hurting world. If you are being called by God to donate through a transfer of stock from your brokerage account to ours, please ask your broker to contact us at 1-877-888-6279. Your broker will need to indicate the number of shares being transferred as well as the QCIP number of those shares. That's one 877 888-6279. Thank you for considering a gift of stock to the Station of the Cross so that we can continue proclaiming the fullness of truth with clarity and charity. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment. Our lines are wide open. You're welcome to call in with anything on your heart whatsoever, toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Um, 
Let me see now. We have an email from Barbara who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I have greatly enjoyed your program and will continue to recommend it to as many as I can. Thank you, Barbara. Her question is, where can I purchase the book entitled Get Out Now? Thanks for a timely response, Barbara. Um, I spoke about that book a few years ago when we were in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I recommend that everybody get it. You can get it on Amazon, Barbara, probably many other places, but I just took a peek on Amazon and just typed in Amazon the title Get Out Now, and it's the first thing to come up. And the and it's, it's, it's telling people to get their children out of public school, and that was years ago. And if your children are still in public school, they are being destroyed. I will tell you that. And the schools aren't destroying them. You are by sending them into that, into that place that is ungodly. We have an email from Jerry who says, I was learning about the visions and warnings from Garabandal. Can you please talk about your thoughts about Our Lady's warnings? Thanks, Jerry. Jerry, I'm no expert on prophecies. I cannot approve... Uh, anything past what anything I don't approve anything I just listen to what the church has said and I think on the me- the mesh- uh, issue of Garabandal they're waiting to see um, uh, the, the, the um, fruit of Our Lady's prophecies um, and if anyone wishes to know them you can simply go to Garabandal G-R-A-B-A-N-D-A-L dot org Garabandal dot org it'll give you the warnings um, the, the, the seers, the messages, um, uh, something of the timing, all of that, even though we don't know the exact timing when the final um, uh, apparition will happen. So go to Garabandal. I uh, personally cannot affirm it, but I, I think it's probably true. Um, and because many of the messages of Our Lady from Garabandal, Our Lady of Good Success, Our Lady of Akita, Our Lady of La Salette, they're all coming true now. And they were for this time. And I think Garambel, Garabandal is also. Okay, now. Um, we have an email from Ron who says... Um, Hi, Mother Miriam. I stumbled onto your podcast last summer and quickly found myself drawn to your words, stances, views, and advice. Very Catholic. Yes, thank you, Ron. Several times I have heard you give the advice to prepare for, quote, unexpected social services collapse. End quote. Have water and food stockpiled, an energy backup system ready to go if the power grid goes down, etc., I very much agree with all I have heard you say. Notwithstanding, I have not heard you say that these are the end times, biblically speaking, from the book of Revelation, etc. I firmly believe that these are the end times based on scripture, based on Catholic prophecy, and based on the events we have all been witnessing these last 10 years especially since March 19, 2020, the Feast of St. Joseph, and two weeks to flatten the curb, uh, I think it's supposed to be curve, when the holy sacrifice of the Mass stopped around the world. Well, it stopped in large measure. It didn't completely stop. Daniel 12.11 says, And from that time the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, and the abomination that maketh desolate set up there shall be a thousand 290 days. Um, and he quotes 
several scriptures and the book of truth, um, which is private revelation, yet we are certainly um, uh, allowed to read it, St. Faustina, St. Bernadette, the Fatima children, so forth. And he says, my question, have you heard of the warning? I absolutely have. The illumination of conscience, yes. And or the book of truth messages, yes, I have, Ron. I ask this to you, for I firmly believe the warning is to take place soon, and you have a platform for the truth, which could be critical for souls after the warning takes place. Ron, I think it will be fairly soon, and I think it's critical before the warning takes place for people to know this. The liberal media will, of course, lie and deflect and say this miracle, which will be seen physically as well as experienced interiorly, never happened. God bless you, Mother Miriam. Please keep fighting the good fight, Ron. Ron, I think it's urgent that everyone turn to Christ and to the Catholic Church. It's absolutely urgent. I do believe in the warning. I do believe it's not far off. I do what the warning is, is an individual, um, um, let's see, the seer, um, Jenna, um, oh, kill Jenna, I can't remember her name, but she's approved by the church and spoke of the warning in the three days of darkness. I believe these are all realities and I believe they're upon us soon. And the warning uh, you, whether you're Catholic, whether you're an atheist, whoever you are, would be the the greatest gift that God has given the human, human race outside of his uh, death and resurrection for us. It will be a total illumination of every individual soul, how they stand before God. And those who are strong believers will be fine and confirmed. Those who are in um, sin, will be tremendously converted, hopefully. Those who don't believe, if they're not converted, they will become completely godless. And um, they will either die from the shock of seeing who they are, or they will convert, or they will be animals on the earth um, in behavior. I do believe it's coming. Uh, as far as the end times, Ron, the end times began on the cross. Jesus on the cross is the division of history before and after the cross. And, and so the end times began then with his incarnation and death and resurrection on the cross. Um, do I believe we're at the end of the end times? Yes. But how far from the end of the end times? I don't know. I do believe that many, many, many prophecies are coming through that we are in the end times, but that doesn't mean we're at the end. Um, Our Lady's Immaculate Heart will still triumph. There'll still be a thousand years of peace. And so we don't know everything, Um, but we do believe that the warning is coming soon and your life may depend on it. We need to repent. We need to turn to God. And if you say, Mother, you're frightening us, it's not a bad thing. If we're scared into heaven, it's better than being comforted into hell. Um, uh, Clayton says, Mother Miriam, an email, does the rapture come before the mark of the beast? There's lots of debates on this question, and I thought I would ask you for your opinion on this matter. Do we really have a dead set answer. Blessings of health and wellness. Thanks for your time. Um, 
No. The mark of the beast comes first, Clayton. And if you want to know the Catholic teaching of the rapture, get a book called, uh, a Catholic book called Will Catholics Be Left Behind? And there's another book on the rapture from Catholic teaching. Go to catholic.com, catholic.com to their shop and type in in the search bar, the rapture, and you'll get good Catholic teaching on the rapture. Uh, the mark of the beast will come first. Um, and there is a rapture, but the Catholic understanding is very different from Protestant understanding, and it is what the, the Church Fathers and everyone have taught for 2,000 years. God bless all of you, beloved, and God willing, um, and I pray we will be with you tomorrow. God bless you.